0: Welcome back to the 10 Blocks podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining me on today's show is Christopher Rufo. Chris has been on the show before. He's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, and he's a contributing editor at City Journal. To say his reporting on critical race theory in American schools and business has made waves is to understate things. His work on the subject is actually having a tangible effect on the direction of the country. We're going to talk about that work this week. Chris, thanks very much for joining us. It's great to be with you. Let's start with your ongoing investigative series on Woke Capital. Listeners can find it on the City Journal website. And as you've described in uh, in this series, businesses from Walmart to CVS to Google, Raytheon, they've been hosting these training sessions that basically cajole white employees into apologizing for their race. And they insist that the US is a fundamentally racist country. What what have been some of the most striking things you've found in the course of your reporting on this?
1: Well, I mean, the the most striking thing, big picture, is that what you saw in universities 10 years ago, uh, that most Americans could laugh off or dismiss as a phenomenon that was restricted to the campus, Uh, Has migrated through all of the elite American institutions and even into an unlikely place to the Fortune 100 C suite office. Um, And a lot of the materials, even a company like Walmart, for example, that is based in Arkansas, it's traditionally been a more conservative company, was teaching that the United States is a fundamentally racist place, uh, that their white employees had internalized racist attitudes and beliefs, not because of their behavior, but by virtue of their uh, their internal racial identity, um, and then advocated a, a radical left-wing program. Um, and, and and all of these companies promoting ideas like defund the police, uh, transgender activism, the whole suite of fashionable left-wing ideologies are now being pushed uh, through corporate HR departments. And for me, that was something that was so fascinating, so unexpected, so bizarre, I just had to learn more.
0: So, so, how do these businesses come to decide to run these kind of training sessions? You know, is this really just the 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 kind of uh, bright idea of some newly hired uh, hr executive?
1: In some cases, it seems to be that higher ups don't know about it. Uh, I did some reporting on Bank of America and other uh, financial institutions, and the Uh, The word that I got back was that the executives were uh, horrified. Uh, They put a stop to it. Uh, They were really trying to figure out who did it. Nobody signed off on it. They didn't know it was happening. Uh, But I think actually more common than that is that executives are actually bought into it. Again, at Walmart, for example, uh, the CEO of Walmart has made a huge public push uh, for these kind of training programs. He established a racial equity institute. Uh, spending $100 million to promote uh, some of these ideas and ideologies. Uh, And for him, uh, I I think what you can can safely surmise is that uh, it provides uh, social status, it provides prestige, and it also really critically provides an insurance policy against uh, left-wing activists and pressure groups and race activism groups And so what they do is they play this dance where they're very much neoliberal, free market uh, uh, in their economic uh, affairs. But in their cultural affairs, they're trying to buy off the left wing. They're trying to gain some power and prestige. And I think for many of these guys, what I heard over and over in my reporting with people who have C-suite access and knowledge, it said, hey, look, if you're a Fortune 100 CEO, you have money, you're rich, you're making 10, 20, 30 million dollars a year, but you don't have fame, you don't have necessarily prestige, um, and this gives them both. It gives them the best of both worlds. You know that it
0: does underscore what seems to be a class dimension to these trainings. You know what the social thinker Rob Henderson calls luxury beliefs. You know the 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 wealthy can sort of absorb this kind of stuff, but when you look at the employees being subjected to the training, in many cases, as in Walmart or or CVS. They're they're not really making a lot of money, um, yeah. You know, what what do you think about the class dimension?
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and the the corporate diversity training is is so thick with irony. It's it's almost impossible to cut through. And what you have in many cases, like Walt Disney Corporation or Walmart, uh, you have uh, white male executives almost exclusively that have combined net worth in the billions of dollars lecturing their white male hourly wage workers on their white privilege, their white, 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 uh, internalized white supremacy, their white fragility, their, their, their whiteness itself. And so you have the wealthiest, most privileged, uh, white men in the country, uh, Lecturing their 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 workforce about their privilege—it's so bizarre—and and I think if you look at the original literature on white privilege uh, from a guy named Noel Ignatiev, who was a steelworker and then got a PhD in education at Harvard, his idea uh, was was actually breaking down white privilege among the working class would allow them to create a cross-racial working class movement to achieve democratic socialism. But what corporate executives in America in 2021 have done is perverted it and reversed it entirely. It's actually a method for them to suppress and to shame and to put down their own workers while raising their own status and prestige. So even on the own terms of white, white privilege theory, uh, they've, they've taken it so far out of context that it becomes, uh, I think from both sides, from a conservative and from a liberal side, uh, nothing more than a farce.
0: I wonder, you know, I, I imagine that these training sessions are provoking backlash, at least some, uh, among some employees you, you've received, um, you know, alerts and documents from, from disgruntled employees. How, how extensive do you think any kind of backlash is, um, in, in the corporate world? The
1: the, the backlash, the, there's, there's an issue, there's a structural problem. So what we've seen in the last uh, year is a tremendous backlash and a tremendous impact from parents at school board meetings. Um, but we haven't seen it, and even after the series of stories, which I had hoped would gain uh, some traction, we haven't seen that same kind of activism, uh, that same feeling of a large backlash within corporations. And I think the structural problem is, is really this. Parents are a third party in the school system. It's a relationship between teachers and students. Parents have a, a third party uh, authority as voters, as people who can attend school board meetings. Corporate employees are within the relationship between management and employees. They don't have uh, an equivalent position of power that gives them a bit more freedom to speak. And so all of the corporate employees that I talk to, all of them, to a T. They asked to be anonymous. They asked that their identity be held uh, 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 private because they feared punishment. They feared retaliation. They feared backlash within the corporation because these ideas, uh, critical race theory and other related ideologies, are, are are the default within corporate America. And just opposing them, even politely, uh, even gently, even uh, with, with the requisite caveats, is seen as violating a taboo within corporate America. And so people are remaining silent uh, and they're just relying on us in the media uh, to, to, to try to get the story out there enough that it generates a public discussion, hoping that CEOs, and we have some evidence that this might already be happening, uh, start to back down.
0: I guess they can get fired is the the bottom line there. So they're worried about their jobs. Um, You know, you you mentioned schools. You've you've done uh, a similar investigative series on uh, critical race theory and related ideologies being imposed in America's classrooms. You know, in California, as you reported, children as young as seven were being told to rank themselves according to their power and privilege. Uh, In Seattle, the school district claimed that the U.S. education system was guilty of spirit murder against blacks, one crazy thing after another. Now, this reporting shocked the conscience of many Americans, and it's obviously having real political consequences. Uh, As your reporting circulated, parents uh, attending school board meetings across the country, uh, they started to demand to know what their kids were being taught. Now, the response to this on the left was that uh, the protests were astroturf, they were fake, uh, that the controversy was ginned up. But I think this month's elections proved otherwise. In Virginia, you had a governor elected uh, after winning over a Republican governor, after winning over suburbanites, people of all races, it should be noted, who agreed that the state school system had become unaccountable. And around the country's, you know, local school board elections, statewide races, uh, they went to those who are advocating for parental rights. So you know, in your view, what is the message that ordinary Americans are now sending to teachers' unions, fashionable administrators, radical activists? It just seems to me like a wave is starting to build uh, to, to really push back against this, this critical race theory agenda.
1: Yeah, it it is, and it's been really exciting to watch. It's been something that has built over time and seems to only be gaining momentum. And what parents are saying is is really simple: uh, we want to have the ultimate say in what happens with our children. Uh, we want to have an active role in shaping our kids' education, in shaping our kids' moral development. Uh, and we find that a lot of these practices that school districts are really hiding from parents. And implementing without their permission, and and in many cases, even their knowledge or awareness, um, violate our our conscience, violate our beliefs, violate what we think about our country, what we think our kids should be learning. Um, And it's not just as some on the left are saying, well, we have to teach honest history. Um, All of us agree with that. And I think uh, uh, virtually everyone, except maybe some uh, oddballs at the margins, uh, would would want a full honest and sometimes painful account of american history uh, but what we don't want is for teachers to separate students into racial groups judge them oppressor and oppressed and then force them through a series of wrenching psychological exercises to surface their guilt their shame their complicity uh, and and their 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 racial essence which can be divided as whiteness and blackness or Synonymously, good and evil, um, and so parents object to this, and parents are really starting to feel like the 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 public schools, the teachers' unions, the state is starting to drive a wedge between parent and child, especially mother and child, is what we've seen. And so it's one thing when you have critical race theory in academia, uh, you know, a parent in 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 Ohio or Tennessee. Can laugh about what's happening on the campus in Yale or Harvard. Uh, But when you actually get down to their kids, uh, when you're telling them uh, that they should be ashamed for who they are uh, in kindergarten, um, this is going to spark a backlash. And our, 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 our opponents on the left haven't quite figured out how to get around this. They've tried to say, as you suggested, uh, that this is a astroturf, that this is uh, about history, that critical race theory doesn't exist. They haven't settled on a narrative because they can't actually defend what's happening, these pedagogies on the substance. And therefore, they're, they're seeking to, to deflect, to diffuse, uh, uh, or to shift blame. But what we've seen in Virginia, what we're seeing all across the country is that uh, parents are too smart, they see right through it, and this strategy mm-hmm. has failed.
0: Uh, The subject of your latest piece is a kind of darker aspect of the resistance against this. It's the the sort of counter um, to the counter critical race theory movement. So you have the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, responding to a letter from the National School Boards Association, which has since been retracted, launching uh, an interagency task force to investigate parental protests as domestic terrorism. Uh, mainstream media have launched a full court press to criticize the anti-CRT movement as motivated by racism. Uh, democratic politicians have pushed back, you know, alternating, uh, as you, as you just noted, between defending the basic principles of CRT and insisting that it's not taught in schools. So, you now how do you see this uh, evolving? Maybe say a little bit more about that over the long term. You know, will the Democrats recognize that this seems to be a, politi- a political disaster for them and back down? Um, or, or are they going to keep, keep on moving?
1: Well, we can we can get some insight into that question by just monitoring the New York Times, the Washington Post, and MSNBC, uh, the, the you know the holy trinity of of left uh, liberal media, and there seem to be two camps. There are some some uh, writers and commentators that are starting to say, "Hey, wait a minute! Some of this stuff in the classrooms is egregious. Some of these practices are." pseudoscientific and harmful and we shouldn't defend them. We should actually separate as- ourselves from them. These parents have a point. And then some of them are really retreating into another posture. And uh, Business Insider had a piece, for example, that said uh, uh, that, uh, that we should double down on, on calling these parents uh, racists and white supremacists uh, that, are, that are taking over our schools Um, this really extreme fear-mongering and and doubling down on this idea that if if parents oppose something, they must be racist. So there's now a war between the more moderate and rational uh, uh, thinkers and commentators and the more militant and radical thinkers and commentators. And so right now they're hashing it out on the op-ed pages and within the uh, cable TV segments. And uh, you know, From my perspective, uh, this is good. There's actually a debate now uh, on the left. And I, I hope for, for the sake of, of the schools and, and kids uh, that the cooler heads and the more rational minds prevail. Um, but I don't think that's guaranteed. And I don't think that's where the energy is. I think the reality is that they're going to go down uh, even harder on what Terry McAuliffe did in Virginia, um, which is to, to basically... Uh, call uh, any anyone and anything standing in in in, in their way uh, a racist or a, or a white supremacist. Um, unfortunately for them, uh, that has been the go to now for five years. It's been so saturated, where everything from square dancing to mathematics um, uh, uh, to 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 travel to whatever is denounced as white supremacy. I think the American people are. Are 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 weary of this kind of rhetoric, uh, and they don't believe it anymore. Uh, and in fact, they're turning away from it.
0: It's very, very, very uh, interesting material, Chris. You're you're working on a book that's going to explore some of these themes. I, I wonder if you can give us a, an anticipation of where that's going.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm I'm working on a book now for Harper and. Uh, it's going to be a really deep dive. And this all began with my reporting for City Journal on critical race theory, first in the federal government, then in schools, then in corporations. Uh, And so what we're doing at City Journal is really uh, exposing through original source document reporting exactly what's happening right now in America's institutions. And then simultaneously on a separate track with the book, I'm going under the surface, I'm going underground, burrowing into the history, uh, looking at where these ideas come from, and then profiling some of the personalities like Herbert Marcuse, Paulo Freire, Angela Davis, Derek Bell, all of these uh, uh, thinkers and intellectuals uh, from the 60s and 70s um, that l- set the stage for what's happening today. So the book is going to be really trying to peel back the onion. If you are concerned about what's happening in our country, if you're worried about what you see in our institutions, uh, I'm going to now do the deep dive and and try to uh, unravel this mystery of where it comes from, where it's going, uh, why and how it operates.
0: Well, that sounds uh, very, very interesting, Chris. Thank you very much for coming on. As always, uh, don't forget to check out Chris Rufo's work on the City Journal website. We'll link to his author page in the description. He's on Twitter, at Real Chris Rufo, And you can also find City Journal on Twitter, at City Journal and on Instagram, at City Journal underscore M-I. And as usual, if you like what you've heard on the podcast, please give us a ratings on iTunes. Chris, thanks again and, and congratulations on all the terrific success. Thank you.